What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Martian Media Montage, episode 55, where I talk the stalker, and then I talk munchies, and then I talk cocaine bear. Yeah, and then I talk uh, some games that I'm playing, and uh, yeah, pretty much just go from there. Uh, I decided to slow it down because I feel like I'm getting old, and I almost forgot what I was about to say. I was like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> apparently, why am I talking like that? I don't know. But I hope you guys are having a good weekend, and I'm talking three movies, uh, some video games that I'm playing, one that I beat, and I, uh, yeah, pretty much just go from there. As always, uh, enjoy. There might even maybe, maybe be a episode tomorrow. I'm not sure, depending on how much time I have. Otherwise, the way that work is going, it sounds like it's easier for me to just do uh, one a week. It's just the way that it is. I used to do, what, one every other day or so, but I just don't have time for that, unfortunately. You know, life is life. Is life. Enough said. All right. Here it is, episode 55. Let's go. Welcome back, everybody, to Martial Media Montage, where I'm going to be talking about Stalker, 1979. Not rated. It's two hours and 42 minutes, known as, according to uh, IMDb, as a drama sci-fi film. Much more of a, a drama, philosophical, theologian, psychological thriller, I guess. I mean, it's not even really a thriller. It just provokes just... I don't know, the whole idea of like, be careful of what you wish for and, you know, and uh, Christian undertones and overtones and, you know, a little bit of Tao Te Chang in there as well. And I'll get to that momentarily. It's a lot more interesting to read about this film. And now I want to read the novel Roadside Picnic than it was to actually sit down and watch this film. I, I'm kind of indifferent about it. I, I, I don't really know necessarily what I watched. I, it was just okay to me, but I'll, I'll get into that. Uh, so, uh, the film is about a guide known as the stalker who leads two men through an area known as the zone to find a room that grants wishes. It has an 8.1 out of 137,000 reviews on IMDb, excuse me, uh, directed by Andre Tarkovsky, who's done other classics that I still want to watch regardless. Although this one was regarded as one of his better ones. Now knowing that I'm like, eh, I don't know what I'll think about the other ones. We shall see. I will let you guys know as well. Trivially, it is said that this is uh, that this rushes of the first version of the film were actually kept by a uh, editor. Uh, excuse my Russian pronunciation here. Lyud lived mill. <laughs> Why do I sound Trans- Transylvanian? Is how I sound, but that's just how I'm going to read it. Uh, Vlidville uh, Feganova. Uh, in her home for years, apparently, they were destroyed by a fire and that unfortunately also claimed her life. Uh, there's a lot of tragedy involved with this film. I'll get into that momentarily as well. The film contains shots in 142 shots altogether <clears throat> in 163 minutes with an average shot length of more than a minute on average, uh, many shots lasting more than four minutes. Uh, and I also noted um, that the first uh, aspect of dialogue doesn't actually take uh, into effect in the film till about almost 10 minutes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let me get some water real quick. Hang on. <clears throat> Man. Lastly, it is included among the 1001 movies list that you must see before you die. Uh, I uh, don't necessarily know why, but that's, I, I guess I can see where it's considered one of those. Oh my gosh, you have to watch this, but I'll get into that after I, I tell you guys about the film. <clears throat> I'm sort of indifferent about this one. I, I had high hopes. Maybe I missed something personally, but I'm not quite sure. Anyway, the budget 
Uh, Russian currency rubles was 1 million exactly, according to IMDb. Worldwide gross was 385,000. I don't know whether that's dollars, rubles, or just a conversion of everything under the sun. According to Wiki, uh, written by Strut... Damn, dude, I am not Russian. Here, I'll uh, bust out the uh, Transylvanian again. <clears throat> Strogatsky brothers, based on their novel Roadside Picnic. <laughs> Why do I sound like Dracula? Whatever. Roadside Picnic. The film tells the story of an expedition led by a man known as the Stalker, guiding two clients, a writer and a professor, through a wasteland to a restricted area known as The Zone, where this place grants desires and or wishes. Uh, purporting as uh, a psychological and theological themes, apparently, as I kind of stated a little bit ago. The film was done over a year on stock footage, later discovered as unusable. It had to be reshot with a new cinematographer. I didn't bother putting names because I wouldn't be able to pronounce it anyway. <laughs> At a release uh, received, it mixed reviews, but over the years it has been recognized as a classic of world cinema. British Film Institute actually ranks it at number 29 out of 100 greatest films of all time. In the novel, Roadside Picnic, Stalker is a nickname for men engaged in illegal enterprise for smuggling artifacts out of the zone. In uh, Russian, it's actually pronounced Stolker, uh, which actually sounds kind of cool. I think they should have just titled it that instead, but whatever. Critically, uh, human desire is labeled as the central theme on top of the whole psychological and theological themes. Uh, the Zone has drawn comparisons with Chernobyl, established actually seven years after the film's release in 86. Uh, the thematics of nuclear radiation and degradation uh, are actually revisited in Tar uh, Andrei Tarkovsky's uh, final film known as The Sacrifice. Midway through the film, the stalker actually quotes Section 76 of Lao Tse Tao, T. Chang's uh, characterizing softness and pliancy as qualities of a newborn, hence new life, hardness, strength, and on the contrary to qualities uh, nearing death. So it's kind of like a purgatorial region is kind of how I would like to uh, perceive it, I guess, actually having seen the film as well as uh, reading about it. And I've yet to read the novel and it sounds incredibly interesting. And I wonder if there's uh, drawn comparisons, which I'm sure there are just like most of the time, I'm sure we all know, usually the book is a lot better. There are very few times where I'm like, wow, that was spot on. Like, one being the watchman it was like basically word for word and i was impressed i mean same with like lord of the rings it was pretty damn close there was a couple things they left out but it was pretty close anyway moving on uh tarkovsky hoped adapting the film would allow him to uh conform the classic aristotelian uh unity as a single action slash single location within 24 hours so they may be relatively achieved i guess more or less uh the stalker in the film and the novel uh, test the safety of their path by tossing a nut on a tired tired yeah well there's your one i can't fucking speak english apparently the cloth that i was about to describe to you is tired i mean i didn't know it had that kind of aspect of personality but apparently the cloth is tired a tied cloth jeez uh, verifying uh, gravity is still functioning in the novel however frequent visits to the zone increase the likelihood of abnormalities in the visitor's uh offspring apparently uh, the meat grinder within the zone, there's like these tiny little like two to three foot like uh, just looks like sand dunes. Uh, there's basically a well known as the meat grinder. It's mentioned in both the novel and the film uh, as a perilous location. I mean, listen to the name. It just sounds, you know, death defying more or less. In the film, the site is described as a site of alien visitation. The name of the uh, 
book actually derives from a metaphor proposed by a character who compares the visit to the zone as a roadside picnic. So that's pretty interesting. Productively, the first film deteriorated, as I stated, as did the relationship between the director and the original uh, first film's uh, cinematographer. Tarkovsky was so despondent at having to discard the outdoor work that he did initially, he wanted to abandon the film altogether. He decided to make a two-part film, which meant more deadlines and more Russian rubles uh, to be added to his you know, debt, apparently. Uh, the newer shot film was uh, vastly different, uh, according to him, than the original. Interesting enough, though, the final theatrical release and the first version shot are allegedly identical, apparently. So I kind of just counter counterproductively just spoke, but that's just what wiki states. Uh, the zone shots are in a deserted hydropower plant in Estonia. The shots before that are in a flora chemical factory in Tallinn, or Tallinn, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it course it's a russian location therefore i don't know how to pronounce it where a memorial plate of the film was actually set up in 2008 several people uh, involved in production unfortunately perished due to causes attributed to the location in toxic areas from a poison within the rivers and when you watch the film there's like these like weird foam like bubbles in the river and i'm assuming all of the vapors that they breathed in just killed a bunch of people off unfortunately that's sad in 2018, it was uh, doted as the uh, 49th greatest non-English film in BBC culture. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 100% out of 41 critics. There is also a Criterion Collection serial of 888 released on DVD and Blu-ray as of July 2017. So it's much more of an interesting aspect, uh, I feel like, after the fact, having read all that and stated that to you guys, than actually watching the movie. It's basically just borderline three hours of people just walking and just really long shots it's almost like like going to like a museum and just looking at a giant like art project for pretty much three hours and trying to decipher exactly what the uh, director is trying to convey it's just it's a really artsy made film that provokes the whole alien visitation the theological psychological physiological aspect of just life and granting wishes i mean there's even I don't know why they didn't say this in wiki, or at least I didn't see it. Maybe in the, uh, um, I guess, plot uh, aspect, they probably talked about it. But I noticed in the film there was a guy who was essentially – he had – it looked like a uh, – I don't know, like some sort of little metallic container. And he wanted to blow up the place because he wanted to prevent uh, evil people from going there and you know utilizing the zone to grant their wishes, which – it's a good plot device that they decided to uh, use that, you know, and then they obviously prevent the guy from doing that. There's even a guy who wants to go in with uh, a gun and they prevent him from bringing in the gun. You know what I mean? So there were aspects of, you know, peril and a uh, parish that was going to, you know, happen in, in the event that those things happened, but it didn't. And uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting watch. I mean, I don't know if I'd ever watch it again. I mean, maybe a few years down the road or just a long time down the road. I just have no desire to sit through borderline three hours of something that I was like, what the hell did I just watch? Like, it, <laughs> I feel like I say this a lot, but I mean, it was just okay. I, I don't I don't understand why everybody loved it. There's really not too much dialogue. It's more or less just a visual eye candy for the viewer. It was it was okay. Maybe I'm just an asshole. I don't know. But for those of you who are enthusiasts and you know want to watch classic films, yeah, I'd say watch it. You know, just to be a a film buff, I guess. But otherwise, it's all right. There's there's better classics out there. Anyway, moving on to the next film. Mm-hmm. 
right. Another film that I watched, uh, I really don't have too much to uh, talk about this one, maybe five minutes or less, uh, known as Munchies. I believe it is a prequel to a film that I watched uh, that came out in 1992 called Munchie. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's some sort of similarity, but maybe it's just the name. Otherwise, the other film was also equally just as bad. However, let me talk about this one. Munchies, 1987 is PG, hour and 23 minutes, free on YouTube. Uh, it is a comedy fantasy horror, essentially ghoulies meets critters. It's free on YouTube, as I stated, just like Stalker was. Excuse me, I forgot to mention that in the previous uh, review of that film. Both are free on YouTube. <clears throat> uh, the plot is that Simon Waterman, as a, a space archaeologist, uh, discovers the creatures in a cave in Peru. Uh, he's talking about Machu Picchu, basically. Uh, Cecil Waterman, his uh, evil brother and snack food entrepreneur, uh, kidnaps the creature. What he doesn't know is that when they're chopped up in half, more or less, the uh, creatures regenerate and are vengeful. It has a 3.9 out of 1,700 reviews on IMDb, directed by Tina Hirsch, who did uh, Dante's Peak, uh, Airplane, the sequel, and uh, Gremlins. Tina actually edited Gremlins uh, in 84, trivially. <clears throat> I'm assuming she uh, did editing as well as uh, Dante's Peak and Airplane 2. I don't think she directed. Uh, the car... Uh, that the munchies actually escape in is an AMC gremlin, a reference to the film. There's also another nod as well as the license plate labeled O Gizmo to a much better film uh, homage. Uh, yeah, this film's not that great. Released uh, in March of 87, so 36 years ago now, uh, the director Hirsch edited three films for Roger Corman in the 1970s as well as 80s, telling him that she wanted to direct. Corman wanted to do a gremlin's knockoff, and this is what we got. Uh, the film was shot in just 12 days, less than two weeks, followed by three days of filming the puppet inserts. The puppets definitely don't look nearly as good as uh, Gremlins. I mean, Critters looks a lot better. Even when I watched the 1992 uh, Munchie, they look a lot better. I mean, this is a schlocky, you know, comedy fantasy horror. Uh, Paul, the son of uh, Simon, essentially is on guard duty with the uh, puppets and the Cecil and his uh, stepson, I guess, uh, pretty much come in and take uh, munchies as he calls it, or at least Paul calls them uh, munchies because they like to eat a lot. Um, and then basically the entirety of the film is they're trying to get them back. There's like, uh, some sort of toxic waste that, uh, below the city that the, uh, Cecil uses to, uh, create his snack food. And they discover that near the end of the film, there's a, a stupid police, uh, son in this, who's the son of a policeman also. And they're both equally just as stupid. And, uh, you know, Cecil uses them to like dispatch and essentially try and capture Paul and his girlfriend so they can basically be prevented from uh, capturing Munchies back so they can use them for, uh, you know, research. And uh, Cecil, excuse me, Simon, um, the main protagonist's uh, dad, you know, leaves the house in order to go to the archaeologist society or whatever to try and, you know, tell them like, oh, hey, look, I found a creature, you know, where's my reward kind of thing. I mean, it's it's basically you get what you pay for. I mean, Critters is also much better. I mean, Critters 1 was good. 2 is okay where they go in space. Uh, 3 was pretty bad. Leonardo DiCaprio's first film, so shout out to him. And the fourth one was, I don't even remember it being anything at all to even mention. But, uh, I mean, if you want to watch a corny, crappy comedy horror, you know, movie for free on YouTube that's, you know, 80 minutes of your time, I mean, yeah, it's... I mean, if you like watching those schlock things like, you know, Roger Corman, as I stated, I mean, I, I do, you know, but 
I've definitely watched better films that are eh, sort of similar to this, but uh, there you have it. I mean, Munchies 1987, nothing special, nothing really to talk about here, but I did anyway for four minutes apparently. So moving on. All right, everyone, I'm here to talk to you guys about uh, Cocaine Bear. came out 2023, rated R, an hour and 35 minutes. It is a comedy thriller, and I'm actually really glad that I watched this one. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I will get to that momentarily. An oddball group of cops, criminals, uh, tourists, teens converge on a Georgia forest where a black bear goes on a murderous rampage after unintentionally ingesting cocaine. According to IMDb, it has a 6.1 out of 38,000 reviews, starring Carrie Russell as Sari, Sari, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it, in like a Barbie jumpsuit, a.k.a. Felicity from the classic TV show. She still looks great for, I'm, I'm guessing she's got to be like 50, just a guess. But anyway, moving on. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Ray Liotta as Sid, the main uh, mob villain in this, uh, at least uh, according to this film stateside. But yeah, he's definitely... Uh, um, in cahoots with a, a bigger mob that that's why he has to go uh, retrieve the cocaine because he's obviously trying to pay off his debts and so forth. But anyway, I don't really want to give too much uh, spoilers about the film. It's it's definitely worth a watch. It's Anyway, let me, let me get to all of my IMDb wiki information and then I will not jump the gun and I will continue to tell you guys how I feel about it. Okay, all right. Aaron Holiday as uh, one of the punk uh, thieving kids. I mention him only because... Give give him a look. He's the one who essentially lives out of the Three Stooges, I guess I'll call these uh, punk uh, fucking lackey kids because he looks a lot like a young Sam Rockwell or his kid or nephew or whatever the case may be. I thought it was the entire time, but apparently not. Directed by Stinky Miriam Linky, <laughs> Elizabeth Banks. Shout out to Zach and Mary Make a Porno. Hilarious. Uh, trivially, Ray Liotta's uh, last film before his passing on May 26, 2022. I can't believe it's been almost a year. He died a week later after he came to re-record his lines post-production. Inspired by true events in 1985, when a corrupt Kentucky cop and a lawyer uh, turned drug smuggler, Andrew Thornton, dumped packages of, uh, excuse me, dumped packages over Georgia containing cocaine before attempting to escape with his 80 pounds of cocaine strapped to his body in a plane. His parachute failed and he falled to his death in Knoxville, Tennessee on a residence driveway. Crazy. My nose is running. I swear I'm not doing cocaine. It's just a coincidence. <laughs> just funny that I'm <laughs> doing that. Uh, 40 kilos uh, landed in a forest uh, consumed by a bear who overdosed more than likely, according to, uh, you know, I guess, um, park rangers and witnesses and so forth, uh, dying from hemorrhaging and heart failure after eating $20 million worth of cocaine then. Now, according to inflation, $55 million worth. Uh, with the lone exception of Andrew Thornton and the bear, there were no other casualties reported. So the rest is fictional. Regardless, it's well done. It's incredibly gory and graphic, some of the kills. Granted, yes, majority of them are CGI, but it's 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 done all right. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Cocaine Bear was intended to be a temporary working title. The producers decided to release it nonetheless. No other titles were actually thought of. They decided to just go with that. Uh, I came up with, uh, oh, I had a couple, I was going to say, like, black crack kind of thing, maybe, you know, even though it's obviously cocaine or, or I don't know. I guess if they probably put black in the title, it might offend people. So therefore, okay, let me revoke that statement. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, or maybe just... <laughs> Ski Grizzly. I'm trying to like rhyme things here. Yeah, this is off rip. I haven't written any of these. I don't know. Uh, or uh, 
I don't know, Coke joke. I'm just, whatever. Those are all incredibly bad. Yeah. Just bear with me here. No pun intended. That was actually a good one. <laughs> uh, lastly, with the exception of extras, uh, very few Irish actors were actually cast since the entire film was made in Ireland. Released February 24th of this year, 2023, with a budget of $35 million, grossed $77.5 million, according to Wiki, released as Crazy Bear in some countries. Yeah, because I feel like if they put that, that sounds like a stupid cartoon on Nickelodeon. All right, up next after SpongeBob is Crazy Bear. And it just, I don't know, it sounds really stupid. But, you know, whatever, in other countries. And I think there was like a Russian or a German title. It was like Nafkia, you know, Da. Oh, no, I think, no. That was like the name for a bear. It was like Metzdova na, like Cocainum or something. Yeah, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Cocainum. Okay. I'm having a lot of tangents on this. And I assure you guys, I'm actually sober. I'm just, I'm happy that I get to talk to you guys about it. I actually really enjoyed this film. I, it was like an A tier B movie, which sounds strange, but listen up. Uh, alongside, okay. So the bear that died was actually found three months uh, later in Northern Georgia, alongside 40 open plastic containers of cocaine. Allegedly, uh, he is male actually in uh, real life or was in you know, a past tense. Obviously he's passed, uh, <laughs> Uh, in the film, it was actually a mama bear, uh, but it is on display at the Kentucky Fun Mall in Lexington. I'm surprised that malls are still around. I guess the Midwest and other parts of the United States are still doing that, which is great because I wish, well, we still have malls here in the West Coast, but they're kind of diminishing. Anyway, on March 9th of 2021, Universal announced uh, the film would be in development. Principal photography took place in County Wicklow, Ireland from August to October of 2021. The bear's CGI was done by, there's like, I believe accents over the vowels in this one, but I, I'm going to pronounce it Weta or Weta FX. And it's decent for what it is. The, uh, you know, the management that they were able to achieve, whether it be close up or far away, the CGI, you know, it even falls asleep on uh, Ray Liotta's uh, son, like over by a pagoda where they have cocaine on top of the pagoda to keep it away from the bear. And uh, obviously, so the kids... The uh, three stooges, I guess, if you will, as I call them, the lackeys can go retrieve the cocaine uh, later on. But uh, anyway, let me get back to this. Uh, it's got a bang in 80s soundtrack and a costuming for the time along to go with it. It's almost like a weird B-movie version of like a Stranger Things because even the credits to me sounded very Stranger Things, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives it 68% out of 285 critics, a 6.1 out of 10. As you guys can tell, I'm, you know overjoyed about this i enjoyed it overall it was really good uh very gory graphic uh just and it was funny uh there was even like tense sequences where uh carrie russell's like hiding behind the tree and then the bear you know comes around the corner like with its claw grabs the tree and then starts to climb the tree to get uh henry her uh daughter's um friend up in the tree and then he basically the bear jumps across or excuse me he jumps down and then the little boy jumps down um, and the bear goes up the other tree because there's a, uh, I guess, what do you want to call him? An uh, environmentalist uh, individual uh, who's up in the tree and he basically goes and kills the environmentalist guy, like bites his leg off and then he falls to his death and the bear jumps down and just goes after this little, or the uh, environmentalist guy who's clearly dead now because he snapped his neck after falling to his death from the tree. Um, yeah, it's just even listening to that alone. I mean, you know, uh, Ray Liotta's fucking guts come out of his uh, stomach at the end and the little baby bears are pulling his guts out and then he falls off the cliff into the water. And yeah, it's just, it's a, like I said, the thriller aspect, it's very, very minimal because you get that sense of tension 
in uh, the way that the cinematography is shot, the way that people are trying to hide from the bear. And there's not very many sequences like that. Overall, it's like a horror comedy for the most part. There's a lot of comedic aspects. And there's a decent amount of action, like, you know, uh, uh, one of the mob guys, the black guy, he gets jumped in the, uh, or is about to get jumped in uh, the bathroom by these teenagers. And he's pretty much like bringing, you know, just takes all three of them on in the matter of 15 seconds, as he states. And he gets a knife in the, his back. It's a, uh, a butterfly knife. And it's, it's kind of funny, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just a guy trying to defend himself and go find his cocaine and move on. And, you know, and then he gets his fingers blown off and I mean, yeah, it's just, as you can tell, I'm like really excited about it. And I don't, <laughs> I don't really want to give like too much more away, but, uh, it's, it's really, really, it's a, as I stated, it is an A tier B movie film basically. And with a title like cocaine bear, you know, my hack is off to you, Elizabeth Banks. I mean, I personally feel like it deserves a better title, but because I mean, a film that is this good as far as a B movie that is an A tier, as I stated, I feel like deserves a better uh, title. That's just me. Although I'm not shitting on it, I really, really enjoyed it. So, anyway, moving on. All right. I'm going to talk to you guys about a game that I've been playing called Rigid Force Redo. As 6.7, I'm going to round and go ahead and say 7. So it's a relatively good game, uh, according to Switch Life. Uh, it is a 2.5D side-scrolling shooter, uh, reminiscent to that of uh, Darius and R-Type, uh, R-Type on Super Nintendo. And uh, I believe I have Darius 2 on Sega Saturn, if I'm not mistaken. I have it in storage. I'd have to excuse me, pull it out and uh, take a look which one it is. Or maybe it's like Darius Gaiden. I'm not sure. Uh, this game was released in 2020. It starts out with a tutorial, so you can actually become familiar with the controls, which is pretty nice. Uh, B is to shoot. It's essentially already uh, set in turbo mode, so you don't have to tap it. You can just hold it down, and it shoots real fast, which is pretty nice, especially in a shooter. <clears throat> uh, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. I was just thinking it's like sort of like bullet hell, but not nearly as a typical vertical uh, bullet hell game that I'm aware of, <clears throat> or that you guys are for that matter. Uh, X is to slow down and you can collect the green energy pellets that you can use on your energy bar. Uh, and then you press Y and hold it to charge the shot. You don't have to use all of it. Pretty much the entirety of the bottom screen is your uh, uh, charge shot. And you can hold it for literally like a second and let go. And you still have, you know, 80 to 70% left of that energy bar to collect more pellets and charge it up, which is pretty nice. You can use the entirety of it or just a little bit. <clears throat> L and R to move your uh, power-ups when you uh, collect them. Uh, you know, R to move them to the front. L to move them behind you so you can attack enemies front, top, bottom, behind you, and all, all of, you know, directions. Super, super handy. You can use the D-pad, but I literally prefer to use the joystick. I just, I really am not fond of that funky-ass D-pad that's on the Switch. I wish it was a regular-ass, like, NES D-pad. There are six stages. I believe I am on the fifth. There are different modes. There's an easy, medium, and hard, each giving you a different amount of credits to use in order to uh, beat the game. You have to beat it in one sitting. Uh, you actually can't, you know, basically have like a save state on a certain stage. But I mean, you can, but you can. It's weird. Like I died after, I think I was on the fifth boss. And then it, you know, if you click back to, uh, you know, uh, the main menu and then you go back into the main story, it starts you over at like chapter four. I was like, son of a bitch, I got to do five all over again. But I mean, at least it's not like from the beginning. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, there's a bit of story. Apparently, 
I, I skipped over all of it, to be honest with you. I was like, I don't really feel like there's a necessity in a shmup to have a story. That's just me on a personal level. Uh, although I believe Radiant Silver Gun on Saturn has a pretty intriguing uh, story. Uh, that game's incredibly expensive. Uh, luckily, I bought it on uh, Xbox One. I don't know if it's still there or not anymore, but it's a really interesting uh, shooter. Uh, missions are relatively short. Uh, boss battles are, eh, they can be tricky per se, just a little bit of practice, and it's, you know, achievable. Worth your worth your time. I believe it's ten dollars or less most of the time. I think I paid maybe I don't know eight dollars or something, and it can be beaten in about an hour, um, depending on obviously how fast or if you actually watch the story or listen to it for that matter uh, before playing the missions. Uh, I've been playing that as of late since I beat Live Alive finally. <clears throat> so you go through the Middle Ages as Orsted, I believe the guy's name is. You have a, a wizard named Uranus of all things. And then there's a Hash who's basically like your Aragorn figure. And then a – what's the guy's name? It's like Bearstrom or something who's basically your uh, Gandalf, I guess. Well, I guess Uranus being Gandalf because he's older and then Bearstrom is like another wizard. I used Lord of the Rings references. Shout out to that, of course. And uh, so you beat that. And then it opens up a new chapter and it's like this like black flame and it's in a chapter select. And you, I think you can essentially play through that last quote unquote uh, mission um, through any one of the uh, eight characters that you get, whether it be a robot or, you know, the futuristic Japan, uh, the feudal China from back in the day, the Western section, all of that, or the fighter or whatever. Uh, I decided to uh, use Oersted, uh, the guy from Middle Ages, which was pretty interesting because at the end of his chapter, uh, he essentially succumbs to the Dark Lord's uh, behalf because basically everybody that he was with was wiped out. And, you know, he goes to prison because allegedly he killed the king, but he was basically um, kind of uh, overtaken by an illusion that the king was the Dark Lord. You know, in his mind when he woke up, he kills the king and then it turns back into the king. The Dark Lord pretty prayed. Okay, there's your second one. I can't fucking speak English. The Dark Lord played a trick on him. And so essentially he just kind of gives into his evil powers and like that his uh, chapter ends. And I was like, well, now I want to see what I can do with Orsted. So you play as Orsted, who's basically, quote unquote, the Dark Lord in this new dark chapter. And uh, you basically are at Archon's or Archon's Roost, which is the uh, evil area in the medieval chapter. And they have statues of all the bosses that you beat in all of the other chapters. And you essentially use your dark lord power to take over these uh boss statues and then it goes into like a little cutscene, and then you play as the boss that you initially beat in all of the other chapters and it's pretty cool you get to take on the boss versus the uh, main protagonists and they were all actually really really easy uh i feel like the bosses when you play the uh you know heroes i guess if you will in these chapters it's all like it was just super easy. You're so overpowered and you actually get to use their techniques and uh, abilities and there's no items because you're the boss. But uh, yeah, all of their um, attack abilities was really intriguing and interesting. And then you do all that and then it's basically, you know, you succumb to being the Dark Lord, I guess, in the game. And I was like, okay, I guess I went the evil route at the end of this game. And it's interesting, you know, there's a bunch of credits after that and it takes you back to the chapter select. So meaning that, yes, you can play it you know, eight different ways, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I was like, whoa, like you don't normally see that in games too often that you're actually playing as the villain. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I guess as of late, uh, recent pickups, uh, I picked these up a little while ago. I've been meaning to mention it. Um, I picked up uh, three different hats. I hear you, baby. My cat's meowing. 
I picked up uh, three different hats from uh, Five Below. They were all $5 each. I'm really not a fan of like that little metallic buckle on these hats, but I was like, dude, these are anime hats. I got to get these. I picked up Inuyasha, which is black, Bleach, which is blue, and Hunter Hunter, which is green. Uh, having seen Hunter Hunter, it was awesome. I loved it. Uh, it was it was pretty dang good. Still haven't watched Inuyasha and Bleach, which I'm probably committing anime blasphemy, but I will get to those eventually. I will probably watch Inuyasha first because it's shorter, and then I will watch Bleach. More than likely, that's how I will watch it. Um, but that's that's it for now. Rigid Force Redo, Live Alive, and then I guess anime hats that I picked up recently. Uh, as always, thank you guys for listening to my episode, and thank you for the love and support along the way. It's always a pleasure. By all means, reach out to me if anybody wants to uh, talk basically anything. Let's do this. So as always, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your night.